Thank you, James, for reading our scripture today. Thank you for coming back this afternoon. We appreciate so much your presence. We hope that this hour, or maybe less than an hour, will be beneficial to you. And thank you for being here this morning. And for all the blessings that we enjoy in Christ, we are eternally grateful. We are looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 11. And what we want to talk about this afternoon, and this really ties back to our lesson today, and we're going to be discussing the idea of defeating the devil and to understand that we can come out victorious, that we can defeat the devil. Now, granted, whether we like it or not, we have been thrust into an arena called life. And in this life, as long as we live, we're going to battle the devil and battle the various temptations of life. You remember we talked about this morning how the devil tries to, how he tries to tempt us, and he uses certain things to catch us, one of which is the lust of the flesh. The second would be the lust of the eyes, and the third, the pride of life. And those are the avenues that the devil uses to exploit and destroy our faith. And so the question that really we want to ask, is it possible for us to defeat the devil? Well, the answer is yes. Now, we are engaged in what I would call spiritual warfare. You remember the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 would say, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the idea is the conflict that we're involved in. It is not physical in nature, but rather it is spiritual. And so if we're going to overcome, first and foremost, we've got to understand how the devil operates. And so Paul here reminds us of that fact, doesn't he? That we're not ignorant of the devices, the strategies, the methodology of the devil. And the reason is because if we're not aware, then he can take advantage of us. He can destroy our faith, and we don't want that to happen. So what I want to do in a very practical way is talk about some ways that we can defeat the devil. And I think that it's possible. Matter of fact, I would say it is highly possible that we can defeat the devil, but we've got to have the right mindset, don't we? We've got to make sure that our heart, our mind is where it ought to be. Now, you remember Solomon many years ago said, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. And so, to understand that we've got to protect the heart, that is the inner man, the seat of our emotions and intellect. So, that being the case, you remember Paul would say, Be strong in the Lord, in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the methodology of the devil or of Satan. Why? Because he's our adversary and he's going to bring it every single day, isn't he? So number one, if we're going to defeat the devil, I want to suggest that we must run from temptation. And by that I mean we run from temptation and not toward temptation. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, let me give an example of what I'm talking about. Do you remember, for, do you remember back in Genesis chapter 39, Joseph had been sold out by his brothers He'd been cast into a pit, later sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites. And so now, now he's in Egypt, and he is serving Potiphar. 
He's risen to a position of prominence. He's been entrusted with a stewardship. Well, it wasn't very long until Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon him and began to make advances toward him. Well, how then did Joseph, as just a young fellow, you remember Joseph went into Egypt at about the age of 17. So he was just a teenager. And so that says to us that whether young or old, we can run from the devil. So she's making these advances day by day, and I would imagine that those advances are becoming more and more difficult to withstand. And so at a certain point, do you know what Joseph did? He ran. Ran. So rather than running to temptation, what we need to do is run from temptation. So that leads me to another thought. When we talk about running from temptation and not to temptation, do we have an example of somebody that ran right into the mouth of temptation? We do. Well, who would that be? You remember David? David, a man after God's own heart. And you recall David was a man of tremendous power. He was the king over the United Kingdom. And here's a man after God's own heart. He has been anointed by Samuel the prophet to serve Almighty God. I would imagine he was the best king Israel ever had. And today Jesus sits upon that spiritual throne of David. But the Bible tells us in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11 that David happened to see Bathsheba bathing on one, on one occasion. Rather than saying, you know what, I don't need to go there, what did he do? Do you remember? Called for. Listen, that was just inviting trouble into his life, wasn't it? And so to understand that we have to make the decision to run from temptation. We've got to be willing to run from it. Now, I would grant that we live in a world that is subjected to temptation on a daily basis. And there are things that probably allure you that might not necessarily allure me and vice versa. But the devil has a lot of tricks in his bag and he uses those tricks to try to exploit our faith in Almighty God. And so there are certain things that I've just got to understand right up front and that is, number one, I've got to protect myself. And one of the ways that I do that is to understand it's better to associate with good people than bad people. It's better to go to good places rather than bad places. It's better to engage in wholesome practices or activities than unwholesome. Years ago when I left the Cordova congregation, I went to work for one of the members there who was president of a company. And I served as a regional sales manager. I did that for seven years and preached every week. And there were some things about that job that I really liked. But then there were some things about that job that I did not like. One of which was we had to travel. And so we would have to travel and go visit our customers. And then we would have annually a safety meeting, a safety convention, and we had to host a party, at least our company did, inviting our, inviting our customers, that base of people. Well, there were times when I had to be around people that used bad language, had to be around people that 
were drinking. I mean, I did not like that. My buddy who was a member of the church, he didn't like it either. And I remember one time he and I were on a, we were on a sales trip. We visited a fellow down in, the, in Georgia. And this fellow took us to a place to eat. And I remember when we came back, my buddy said, I will never go to lunch with him again. I don't care how good a customer he is. Well, we all have a job to do, and sometimes we're thrust into a circumstance, or we have a job, and there are certain things that we have to do, and maybe we don't like it. And I can't necessarily remove myself from every place where bad language is used and where people are drinking and cutting up and acting crazy, but what I want to do is minimize that to the best of my ability. I want to try to stay around the right kind of people. Why is that? Because Paul said, be not deceived, evil companionship corrupts good morals. Solomon said that those who, those who are righteous, that they should choose their friends carefully. Why? Because of the way of the wicked leads them astray. He went on to say in chapter 13, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. And so we've got to protect ourselves. And so rather than running right into the face or the heart of temptation, to the best of our ability, we want to remove ourselves from places and people and practices that might ultimately have a bearing on our faith in a negative way. So number one, to run from temptation. Number two, resist temptation. We all have the power to use that simple Word, no. Just say no. You remember what James said in James chapter 4? Resist the devil, and what will he do? He will flee from you. Go back to Matthew chapter 4 and look at the account of Jesus being tempted by the devil. Look at Luke chapter 4. In verse 13, the Bible says, And the devil did everything within his power to destroy and disrupt God's plan of redemption, didn't he? Remember the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin? What would have happened if Jesus had given in to temptation? Would that have spelled doom for us? Yes. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, that the Lord has left us an example that we should follow in His steps, listen to Him, who did no sin. But He was tempted. And so in verse 13 of Luke chapter 4, here's what Luke said. After the devil had ended every temptation, the Bible says that He left him until an opportune time. Now, He wasn't saying that the devil was done with Jesus that he would no longer continue to knock on his door and try to the best of his ability to destroy God's plan. But it did say to us that on that occasion, for that particular battle, Jesus was successful, wasn't he? There were other times when the devil tried to. Remember in John chapter 6 when the people wanted to make him a king? Well, it wasn't the right time, wasn't the right place. So, to resist the devil, to just have the fortitude, the courage, the presence of mind to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, there may be things that 
are tempting and tantalizing to you that aren't so for me. I'm not interested in drinking alcohol, not interested in going to Tunica, don't want to be there. I don't want to be around those kind of people, don't want to be around those kind of practices. I don't want to be in that environment. Not to say that we don't associate with people who are living in sin so that we can convert them. But again, I want to make sure that I am in a wholesome environment to the best of my ability. So number one, run from temptation. Number two, resist temptation. But then, number three, to remember the power of God's Word in times of temptation. Now look again at Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4. Every time the devil made an overture to Jesus, what did he do? Called upon Scripture, didn't he? Didn't Jesus say, it is written? He did that three times. Every single time he was able to successfully fend off the devil. So Scripture has a powerful role in helping us, aiding us in fighting temptation. In Psalm 119 at verse 11, if you don't have this verse marked, I would encourage you to do so. You remember the psalmist said in the long ago, Your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. So the word of God can be used as a defense mechanism. Why is it so important for me to know what the Bible has to say? Well, the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 5 that one of the byproducts of growing spiritually in the faith is that we might be able to discern between good and evil. There's some things that I can just tell you right up front. I don't need to do that. Why? Because it's wrong. Years ago, I remember talking to a fellow that I was working with. And he asked me a question. He said, what does the Bible say? I just don't know. Well, you know, there are a lot of folks that don't know what the Bible says. And if you don't know what the Bible says, then it's possible that you will find yourself in bondage to sin. Because you remember James said that every man is drawn away by his own lust. Lust, when it has conceived, brings forth sin. Sin, when it's full grown, it brings forth death. He's talking about spiritual death there. And so in, verse, in about verse 16, he would say, Therefore, my beloved brethren, do not err or wander. That is, don't find yourself in that situation. Don't get caught up in temptation that will lead to sin. And so to take the Word of God and store it up, Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4 talks about how we ought to exercise ourselves unto godliness. Well, how do I do that? Well, one way is I spend time in this book, God's Word. And I'm reading and studying and trying to absorb truth. The psalmist of old said he meditated on the law of Jehovah. He did it day and night. So David's out here trying to serve Almighty God. He's been storing up His Word. Would that enable him to rise above temptation? Yes. Sometimes we, like David, fail to use the knowledge that we possess. We live below it. David knew what the Bible had to say about adultery. He knew what the Bible had to say about covetousness. He just happened to 
Rather than rise above it, he sunk down into the trenches of sin. And so, to take the Word of God, store it up in our heart, make sure. I'd encourage you, spend some time every day reading, studying, and meditating on the truth of God. And don't do it haphazardly. Formulate a plan. Try to better understand what the Bible has to say. Make sure that you're taking this book and you're storing it up in your mind. If we just took a verse a week or a verse a month and just thought about that through the day, would it help us? It would, wouldn't it? Now there's another resource that we have at our disposal. And that is we have the privilege of prayer, don't we? You remember in Matthew chapter 6 what's often called the model prayer. Jesus prayed, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's called the tempter in Matthew chapter 4. He's called the wicked one in Matthew 13, the enemy. Paul identifies him as the God of this age. John said he's the deceiver of the whole world. So here we are battling the devil. We're trying to fight for our soul. I want to make sure that my soul is in heaven one day. And I don't want to get, I don't want to get killed on the battlefield and lose my faith in Almighty God. And sometimes that happens. And one of the reasons it happens is because we lay aside our weapons of warfare. In Ephesians 6, when Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God, those pieces of armor go back to the Word, but then down in verse 19, he would go on to say, praying always. When Jesus faced the cross, do you think that there was a temptation on His part to somehow get around the cross? You think that he ever wondered or struggled, is there possibly another, another way? Sure, look at Matthew 26, 36 through 46, when, he, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane. Would the devil have wanted him to abort that plan and say, you know what, I just can't do it, I can't go through it? I can't, I can't face the cross and all the things associated with that, not just the physical suffering, but what about the mental toil that it took? The fact that Jesus would cry from the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that period of darkness that covered the land for three hours, 12 p.m. to 3 p.m. When Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, it's my conviction He went there to pray about the ordeal of the cross. The Hebrew writer said that he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto Him who was able to save Him from death, and He was heard in that He feared. Jesus prayed fervently. Matter of fact, that's what Luke says. That being in agony, He prayed more fervently. So when we're faced with temptation, one of the things that we can do is pray to Almighty God. Do you recall in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at verse 13, Paul talks about there is no temptation taken you, but such is you're able to bear. But God will with the temptation make also a way of escape. All right, so we've got a choice to make, don't we? 
We can either run to temptation or we can run from temptation. So what that says to me is we've got to make a choice, don't we? Could we not pray about the choices before us? Pray about the, the circumstances that we're facing, that God will give us the strength, the fortitude, the courage to do what is right. Are we going to do what's right when all of our peers and all the people around us, they're saying and doing things that we know are not right. And there's this pressure to conform, as Paul talks about in Romans chapter 12. We're not to be conformed, but rather we're to be transformed. But the danger sometimes is we wilt under pressure. And so here's Jesus going to the cross. As He makes His way to the cross, fervently He's praying to the Father, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless not as I will, but your will be done. Can we not spend time in prayer to God? Do you recall in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul talks about the importance of exercising ourselves unto godliness. We talk about the right people, the right places, the right practices. If, if we're trying to focus in on what's right, and we're trying to rise above the advances of the devil, wouldn't you say that we need to be exercising ourselves daily so that we might be able to withstand the advances of the devil? Peter talks about withstanding the devil or temptation steadfast in the faith without wavering. I'm not going to give in. So, that being said, to spend time in prayer to Almighty God. Read the writings of Paul and look if, you, look if you would at the numerous times that Paul talks about praying. He prayed for others. I have no doubt he prayed for the church collectively. But then he also asked people to pray for him. Let's just say that we've got a job and had a buddy of mine that was a bond trader years ago. He made a lot of money. He was a young guy, made a lot of money. You just have no idea how much he made. And he told me, he said, I don't want to do this forever. It's a vile environment. Well, sometimes we find ourselves thrust into a vile environment. So what, did, what is it that's going to help us keep our focus? Well, number one, to stay focused on the Word of God. Number two, to stay focused on the will of God. Number three, I would suggest that we ought to stay in worship to God. Spend time worshiping with the saints. Every time we come, the choice you made this afternoon, it's a good choice. Why? Because you're here to try to rebuild, recharge your spiritual battery. It's called godly exercise. And so to accentuate in our life the Word of God, the will of God, our worship to God, and then to be involved in the work of God. What's the old saying, an idle mind is the devil's workshop? Let me tell you why some people fall away from the church. It's not because, it's not because 
they don't love the church. It's not because they don't love the people that make up the church, and the church is the people. But the problem sometimes is people are disconnected from the body. And so if you're connected to the body and you are spending time with the body, worshiping and working in the kingdom of God, is that going to help you or hurt you? It'll help, won't it? Won't it keep you on the right track? Look, life's tough. And I don't care who you are, I don't care how strong you are, temptation is a reality. And to meet it head on, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 at verse 12, let him who stands take heed lest he fall. Sometimes we say, well, I'd never do that or I'd never succumb to that. We've got to be armed and ready for battle, don't we? And be ready to rise above it. I'll just maybe share one other thought here. And that is to remember how important good people are in times of temptation. I want to circle back to that idea again just very quickly. When we come together on the first day of the week or in the middle of the week, we are around the best people in the world. The beauty of the body is we're all in this thing together, aren't we? And the goal is for each and every one of us to be successful in our Christian race. And so when we come together collectively and we spend time with people in the body, it helps us to keep our eyes on the Lord, doesn't it? The Hebrew writer talked about looking unto Jesus, the author, finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of God. He went on to say in verse 3, Consider him who endured such gainsay of sinners, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. You get hammered every day in the world. I tell you what, it'll make a difference. When people beat you down and beat you down and beat you down, and you're in that vile environment, you relish opportunities to be around the right kind of people and among wholesome practices, around people that are doing good things. That'll have a lot to do with having a good conscience, won't it? So to be around the right kind of people, you just can't put a premium on it at all. Thank you for being here this afternoon. I hope that what we've said is helpful to you. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're just trying to follow what the Bible has to say. And I don't care if you're young or old. I used to think that as you got older, you know, temptation wasn't nearly as strong, but that's not the case. No matter how old you are, no matter how educated or uneducated you are, no matter the color of your skin, it doesn't matter. The devil is going to bring it every single day. And if the devil's going to bring it every day, that says that we've got to bring our A game every day, don't we? We've got to be ready for battle. We're on the battlefield of life. And Paul would write in 1 Timothy chapter 6, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on life eternal. Listen to him over in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 
We sing the song sometimes, Soldiers of Christ, arise. We are in the heat of battle. And if we're not ready to meet the enemy on the battlefield, then I can assure you, He will destroy us. He will defeat us. I want you to remember a passage found in Ephesians chapter 4 and about verse 27. Here's what Paul said. Neither give place to the devil. All he's saying there is, do not give up real estate to the devil. He's got enough. And he doesn't need your real estate. So, determination, dedication, devotion, those are hallmarks of faithfulness to God. To be dedicated, devoted, to center my life on Christ and to not let anything come between us and the Lord. Now what happens as a Christian if we stumble and fall? What happens if we give in to temptation? Because it happens, doesn't it? The only perfect person that I know of was Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And I don't care how good we're trying to live in this world, sometimes the devil will take advantage of us. Sometimes we're weak and we fall prey to the devil. So what then? Do we have a resource? Listen to what John said in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there are times when the devil beats us up. Are there times in life when we say, you know what, I wish I hadn't said that, wish I hadn't done that. And the list goes on and on and on. Sure, we all find ourselves in that position. And there are, listen, there are weeks in life when you feel like the devil has pummeled you. I mean, he's done everything within his power to whip you and beat you. And here you are trying to live a Christian life and rise above it. So I understand. And it doesn't matter what the environment, the devil can continue to do his, do his work. So, that being said, resolve to stay faithful to God. If we mess up, if we fall to temptation, fall prey to temptation, acknowledge it, repent of it, and allow God to forgive us, let's move on, let's move forward, because we're not perfect people. If you're here tonight and this afternoon, old habits die hard, don't they? If you're here this afternoon and you have not become a Christian, the devil wants you to stay right where you are. Jesus said, come. But the devil says, don't, don't. Don't give your life over to Jesus. Don't live for Him. I mean, think about all the fun and all the things that you're going to miss out on. Well, that's just the devil's lies, isn't it? So, if you're here this afternoon and you have not obeyed the gospel... Would you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Son of God, and then repent, turn from sin, confess His name, be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away. Listen, if you will do that,
you will have a fresh start in Christ Jesus. Paul said, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. Listen to him. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you're here and you want that new start, it's available to you. If for whatever chance, whatever, if for whatever reason you're here today, and maybe your life's out of control, and maybe you just need good people praying for you. People praying because you're having a tough time in the world. Look, we're here to do that because we're family. And family's everything, isn't it? So we'd be happy to pray with you and for you, and God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.